Welcome back to part two of Pastor Tim's message, The Problem with Seeking Signs, from Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. We like to say that we are like Gideon when we ask God for a sign, when we lay out the fleece. But Gideon was seeking the voice of God. We already have the voice of God in the God-breathed scriptures. If we would simply follow him in obedience to what we already know. He promises to guide us right to where he wants us. Here's Pastor Tim. Let me give you number three. Because there is something positive in here. Discerning the scriptures, (laughs) that does promote belief. Discerning your scriptures promotes belief. You have in your hand right now the very greatest treasure that you could ever have, the greatest bit of proof that you could have that Jesus is who he claims to be, that he did what he claimed to do, and that you can yield to him and trust him no matter what you see. One commentator wrote this, about the Jews asking Jesus for a sign. Listen to this. He says in this passage, Luke wanted his readers to understand that to ask for signs, both in Jesus' day and possibly their own, was to tempt the Lord. And by the way, he uses the same kind of phrase and uses an example of Satan coming to tempt Jesus. So he's saying is, when you ask him for that great sign, I mean, you're really ask, acting like the enemy at that point. You're tempting Jesus. You're testing him along those lines. Listen to what he says. He says, there is sufficient proof for faith in the Scriptures. That's why Jesus wouldn't give in to them. They knew what Jesus had already done. They knew what God had done in the past. And they knew the stories. So what you have in verses 30, 31, and 32 are three examples, three illustrations that Jesus uses that everybody in that thick crowd, they already knew. I mean, Jesus doesn't go through and tell these great big stories. They already know the stories. He just points back at them. He points back at them the same way that, you know, that now he's about to point us back to as well. Three of those signs, and they're all in the Bible. First is the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah is right there in the Bible. That's what he says in verse number 30. You know, he finished verse number 29 by saying, I ain't going to send you any sign except for the sign of Jonah the prophet. And he says this, For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. Now, I want to, if, if you want to turn back to Luke, I mean to Matthew chapter 12, you can. I want to go there and read to you what Matthew says about this same thing. I think, it, I think it gives you, helps give you just a little bit more insight as to what's going on in this argument. Listen, this is Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse number 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But Jesus answered and said to them, This sounds like what Luke's writing, isn't it? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of of the prophet Jonah. But look at this. Look at verse number 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, 
so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jonah's adventure is not just a one-time event. It is a sign for them that they would believe in the resurrection. That's what he's saying, isn't it? The, the miracle of Jonah is a prelude, a precursor, a picture of the resurrection of Jesus. You're looking for a sign? Well, look at this one. Everything in our faith hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. So if you're looking for a sign, look to that. Look to that. He's alive. He is alive. You don't pray to some dead God, some God made out of wood, some God made out of stone. You're praying to a living God who can answer you. One who has defeated death and the grave. Listen, I had, a, I had a professor when I was in school who said, it really doesn't matter if Bible stories are true, just so long as you can find some inspiration there for your life. I have a problem with that, you know, because of this. That passage in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 40, Jesus said, just as, don't miss that phrase, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. A professor even picked on Jonah's story. He said, it doesn't matter if Jonah's true. I'm telling you, it does matter. Because if Jonah's not in the belly of the great fish for three days, what does that mean about Jesus? If it's not important about Jonah, is it not important about Jesus? Everything about us revolves around the, the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. By the way, people, people look at that story and they say, that story can't be true. You know, I mean, we always say a whale, right? So I, I've looked and studied whales and whales today can't swallow a person. Well, okay. That's not what the Bible says, is it? The Bible doesn't say a whale. It says a great fish. And it doesn't just say that some great fish came up from the bottom of the ocean and found his way to Jonah, does it? It says God prepared. The word that he uses for prepared is the same word that he uses for created. He created a great fish to swallow Jonah, take him to exactly where he needed to be, and spit him out on the land. Does it matter that Jonah is in the belly of a great fish? Yes! Because Jesus is in the heart of the earth for the same amount of time. The sign matters because it is about our faith. It's about who He is, not Him performing some great trick. The sign of Jonah is right there in the Bible for everybody to see. In verse number 31, he has a second example. It's the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba that we read about in 1 Kings chapter number 10. Look at what the Bible says here in verse 31. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. A, a foreigner, a one time an unbeliever, is going to stand in judgment 
of other people, even of people in Israel? That's what he says, right? He says this, For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. Queen of Sheba heard about the wisdom, and she heard about the wealth of Solomon, and so she just simply wanted to see for herself. And the Bible says that she came, she, the Bible says she asked him all her questions. She saw his house, his food, his servants, their apparel, and the house of the Lord. And then this is what she said. It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, listen to this, however, I did not believe I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you setting you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore He made you king to do justice and righteousness. Here's a woman by her own admission says, I did not believe. But when I saw what God did through you, (laughs) I believe in the Lord your God. I believe that He is the one true living God. And this woman who came from all the way across the ends of the earth just to follow, just to follow in obedience and discover that God really is who God claims to be, she was persuaded. She had faith. And Jesus says, somebody greater than Solomon's here. If you've seen his wisdom, if you've seen his wealth, so to speak, You should be persuaded. You should have faith. But they weren't persuaded. And they wouldn't believe. And all of it is right there for them in the Bible. And God says, for that reason, she's going to judge this evil generation. There's one more example that he gives in verse number 32. For it, he returns to the story of Jonah. But this time, instead of focusing on Jonah, he focuses on the people of Nineveh and their response. So it's the sign of Jonah. It is the swaying of the queen. And now it's the sorrow of the Ninevites that we get to learn from. Look at what he says in verse 32. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation. Sounds like what he just said in verse 31, isn't it? And condemn it For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And this sounds like it too, doesn't it? And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. When the Ninevites heard Jonah preach, they repented. From the king all the way down to the youngest of them. You know, the Bible says at the end of of the book of Jonah that there are 120,000 who didn't know their right hand from their left hand. 
most experts in that go back to that and look and say, they're talking about children. And they're talking about little children who don't know their left hand from their right hand. They don't know anything. They're just babies. 120,000. So how many, how many grown children you think is in there? How many mamas? How many daddies? How many single men, single women? Nineveh was a huge place and God was ready to wipe them off the face of the earth. But they ripped their garments in two. And they placed their faith and their trust in the one true living God just because a man named Jonah had come and preached to them. Jesus is saying, I am greater than Jonah. And I am preaching the same message of repentance and faith. And you won't believe. He was preaching about me. And people ripped their garments and believed. I'm standing right here in front of you. And you want some other kind of sign. God has given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. He's given you everything that you need to be obedient. He's given you everything that you need to fully please Him every single day. Will you trust Him? We demonstrate it with obedience. You know, one of the greatest songs in your hymn book goes by those lines, trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Do you trust Him? I mean... Would you trust Him if He never gave you any other sign? Would you trust Him if He never answered prayers the way that you thought that He should? Would you trust Him no matter what? Does your trust, your faith move you to obedience? If not, there's something wrong, isn't there? There's a problem that needs to be corrected. You can begin that today. Maybe you say, God, I've been just like, I've been just like these people. Demanding that you do and you act before I will believe. But Jesus, I yield myself right now. I trust you. Whatever you choose to do, whatever I know to be a command that needs to be followed, or a principle that needs to be followed, I will do that if it takes eternity to find an answer. I believe He'll honor that, don't you? Would you yield yourself to Him today? Would you trust Him? Would you obey Him? For some of you then, that means leaving your seat and coming down here and saying, Sage or Tim, I need to ask Jesus in my heart. 
I need, I need to be made right with God. I do. I know it. I recognize it. We'll help you. Maybe there's some other issue in your life and you want to come, you want us to pray with you about that. I don't know of anything better though than just gathering in the altar. You by yourself or you with a friend. Simply to say, Jesus, I trust you. In the midst of my sadness, I trust you. In the midst of my madness, I trust you. In the midst of my gladness, I trust you. Let him do in you what he wants to do. You ready? Jesus, hear our prayers. All around this room, I know that every person has your undivided attention. You promise to hear. You promise to answer. Father, I pray that today, you would show us your power in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.